0: And the church said, amen. I am convinced that one day, those are the only words that we will be able to utter. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If you have your Bibles, uh, please be turning to Matthew chapter 4 in your New Testament. I appreciate uh, Justin leading as Kevin is away today, and it's great to see uh, one of our basses come out of retirement, Jonathan McKnight, who used to sing with us for several years now, lives up in Nashville, but was passing through Birmingham and was able to to join us on stage this morning. Uh, Last week, we began a brand new series uh, that we're calling Follow Me, and in this series, we make no apologies that our mission as a church family is to make and grow followers of Jesus. Uh, And we believe that this should be the mission of every church, that our goal is not to put on a good show once a week, but that our goal is for all of us to become more like Jesus. And last week, we specifically looked at what it meant to follow the one who repeatedly said, Come. Follow me. Uh, but not just what it meant in Jesus' day, some 2,000 years ago, uh, what it continues to mean in the year 2024. Uh, maybe you can identify with the Apostle Peter. Uh, take a moment and watch this video clip from the series, The Chosen. my brother and a baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am, the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe, but my faith, how sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. What do you want? For? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. I will. You as well. Yes, you, James and John. Come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's debt. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go now. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. In Luke's gospel, in his account, Luke records that they had been fishing all night and not caught a thing. And Jesus comes by and he tells them to, to cast out in deeper waters and they catch so many that their nets literally begin to break and so they call an additional boat a second boat over and they begin to fill both boats with fish in such a way that both boats begin to sink luke chapter 5 verse 8 when simon peter saw this he fell at Jesus' knees and said go away from me lord I am a sinful man for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. My guess is that most of us have not had an experience quite like what we just saw on the screen. How are we being formed, though, is the question. How are we being formed into faithful followers of Jesus? How are we growing? So as the the late Dallas Willard would say it in his book, Renovation of the Heart, spiritual formation being formed is the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. So I'm sure that there are several folks in the room today who believe that the greatest coach in football history retired this week. And for the rest of you, uh, you celebrate it by throwing toilet paper up in the tree. But here's the stark reality of what happened this week. Within 48 hours, Nick Saban was replaced. If that doesn't preach a message to all of us this morning, I don't know what will. That you and I, in many of the things that we do in this life, are replaceable. Pastor Wayne Cordero, who wrote the book The Divine Mentor, says that about 95% of what you do You are replaceable. But there's that 5% that only you can do. Hello, Lord? There's that 5% that only you can do. Only you can be a husband to your wife. Only you can be a wife to your husband. Only you can be a father or mother to your children. Others can try to fill that, but, but it doesn't work the way that it's intended to. And here's the one for all of us, single adult, senior adult, married. Here's the one for all of us, student over here. Here's the one for all of us. Only you can grow spiritually. I can't do that for you. The elders and the shepherds of this church can't grow for you. We, we, we try to equip you. Our our call is to walk alongside you, but that's a task that only you can do. Only you can grow as a follower of Jesus. So as popped up on the screen a second ago, Tony Morgan in his book, Unstaked Church, he asked these questions. He says, instead of offering a plethora of options to engage, how would it look if we gave people at various stages of their spiritual journey from new believer to mature in the faith, a clear next step to take? What if we offered a simple path because we know that spiritual growth steps necessarily require sacrifice and stretching of our faith? And so over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to look at seven core commitments of people who are following Jesus. Uh, You'll see those on the screen worship regularly, connect with God, live differently, do life together, give generously, serve others, and tell you're one. And, and we don't shy away from this. We, we plastered these on the wall out here by uh, what we call our tri-room in the hall. Uh, so that every time we walk by that we're reminded of these. And, and is this a checklist? Absolutely not. Is this some form of neo-legalism? Absolutely not. It's not if you just fill all these things up, then, then you're good. That's not what we're saying. But as we look at the life of Jesus in the pages of the New Testament, we see some patterns. We, we see some rhythms that our Lord and Savior taught us and taught his disciples Commitment number one, worship regularly. We just left off in Luke chapter 5 a few moments ago. I want you to turn back with me a chapter to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus has just been tested in the wilderness. He's been tempted for for 40 days that he's spent praying and fasting. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in what? In the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. If anyone could argue, well, you know what? It, it's just me and God. I, I, don't need a, I don't need a building to worship. Uh, I, I don't need people, other people around to, to worship God. It, it's just me and God. If anybody could argue that. It was Jesus. Because funny thing was, he was God. I've heard some of you and others make that argument before, but, but Jesus is the only one worthy of really making that argument. And so scholar Joel Green says it this way, that this phrase, as was his custom, underscores the paradigmatic quality of this episode both with regard to his Sabbath practices and with regard to the content of his proclamation. Take a moment and think about this. I loved getting caught up in our singing and our worship today. Beautiful. Do you think that Jesus ever heard singing that was greater than what he heard in heaven? Do you ever, ever think that Jesus had fellowship that was better than what he experienced in heaven? Did, do you ever think that Jesus sat in a synagogue and, and heard someone speak and said, Wow, that's a, that's a thought about God I, I didn't know. So, so why did he go? Jesus went because he thought his Father in heaven was worthy. A follower of Jesus does not worship because of what it does for them. A follower of Jesus worship because of what God has done for them. Maybe your next step is to commit to the regular rhythm of gathering with the saints this year. And Paul would say in his book to the Ephesians and elsewhere that that we're not saints because we're good. We're saints because we're in Christ and he's good. In his book, Subversive Sabbath, The Surprising Power of Rest in a Nonstop World, author A.J. Swoboda says this. He says, I remember one worship gathering in our church during a very painful cultural moment in our city. He says, as I walked into the worship gathering to take my spot near the front, the singing began. And what was to be a normal worship gathering turned upside down. I have no way to describe it. The presence of God was so near, so close so present that day and looking around the congregation I, I saw people that were on their knees people that were crying and people that were repenting and worshiping and even people who were laughing God came near and as I reflected on that day one thing stood out to me no preparation no liturgy no sermon nothing could prepare for what God was able to do all we could do was enter that was our task nothing more Here's what I love about Jesus. Is that communing with his Heavenly Father wasn't just a checklist, nor was it a once a week trip to the church building. I want to take us through a brief survey of the Gospels, and we'll try to stay as chronological as possible. We're going to move quickly through this, so you may just want to put your attention on the screen. Mark 1 and 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, 15 and 16. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came near to, to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6 and 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Matthew 14 and 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. March 6, 31 and 32, then, then because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Matthew 14, 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later night, he was there alone. Luke 9, 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Luke 11 and 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Mark 14, 26, when Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is Jesus' usual place to pray when he was in Jerusalem, Luke 22 and 39. Mark 14 and 32, they they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Do, Do you see this thread. Do you see this theme that is, is being traced out in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? As we step back and we, we view the life of Jesus, do, 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 do you get the picture of, of how Jesus is going about everyday life in the kingdom of God? As we reflect on Martin Luther King Jr. tomorrow and his legacy in the civil rights movement I'm reminded of his words in his book, Strength to Love, a collection of his most requested sermons, where King said, the idea that man expects God to do everything leads inevitably to a callous misuse of prayer. For if God does everything, man then asks him for anything. God becomes little more than a cosmic bellhop who is summoned for every trivial need. Our God is considered so omnipotent and man so powerless that prayer is a substitute for work and intelligence. What many Americans fail to realize is that that Dr. King had a, a profound relationship with his mentor, Howard Thurman. And during his tenure as dean at Marsh Chapel Boston University, theologian and minister Howard Thurman sent Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife Coretta in 1955 his volume on spirituals, Deep River. He inscribed the book, To the Kings, the test of life is often found in the amount of pain that we can absorb without spoiling our joy. Thurman's commitment to a spiritually and physically integrated society and to the methods of nonviolence served as a major influence in King's life. Uh, One of my go-to meditation books is Howard Thurman's book, Meditations of the Heart. Where he says, I seek the purification of my own heart, the purging of my own motives. I seek the strength to withstand the logic of bitterness, the terrible divisiveness of hate, the demonic triumph of the conquest of others. What I seek for myself, I desire with all my heart for friend and foe alike. I seek the strength to overcome evil. Jesus would pray this way when he taught his disciples how to pray. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. I want you uh, to leave today with just a few practical takeaways. I hope that we can reflect on these as a faith family this week. Uh, number one is, is this, is that you don't need to know the big steps to take the little steps. often I hear Jesus followers wrestling with the big steps. And I'm not saying that we never need to wrestle with the big steps, but I, but I hear a freshman in college saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Ah, will I get the right job? Will I marry the right person? Will I even marry at all? Should I enter the transfer portal? What, what am I supposed to be doing? What if we commit it to the little steps first? Like, For example, we could say, I'm not going to speak about that person that way anymore. I'm not going to gossip. It's a little thing. Uh, Nobody will even really notice but you and the Lord, maybe a few people that are in your close circle. But it's one step closer to the Jesus way. Or on the flip side, another little step might be that I'm going to slow down and I'm going to, I'm going to listen more. I've, I've heard that the tagline for a few different churches this year is, is more in 24. And there's nothing wrong with that mentality, and I get it. We can always do more. But if, if our doing does not flow out of our being, we will eventually dry up and burn out. Or we'll just become a schizophrenic church doing and doing and doing and doing more 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 more. you can't pour out into others what you haven't been filled with ephesians 5 18 says what be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the lord Church, our, our worship gatherings are like filling stations. But you can't be filled if you're, you're not here. And I understand there's, there's folks that are listening to my voice online that can't physically be here. And I'm thankful for the technology. But there's also some that we, we wake up on Sunday morning and we say, well, well maybe. Or maybe not. We need you here not just because we need you here but your being here does something it it it's a place where god promises that the feeling of his spirit will take place the writing of the book of hebrews would say this let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching hebrews 10 and 25 i can't help but just as i walk around and as i walk around today and see folks that are encouraging one another in the halls, in the classrooms, in this room, in the parking lot. It's not just about encouraging one of th- this one day, but, but we recognize that you don't need to know the big steps to take the little steps. Number two is this, is that we establish a sacred space like Jesus. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word sacred as connected with God, considered to be holy, I told you already, I love the theme of today's songs that were picked out when we sang, holy, holy, holy. Maybe your next step this week is to establish a sacred space. Ruth Haley Barton says it this way, sacred space is a a physical place. Jesus went to a certain place, Scripture says, Luke 11. Sacred space is a place in times. A lot of times scripture defines that Jesus went early in the morning. As we just read a moment ago, he prayed all night before. For some of you, that's in the early morning. For others, it's, it's at night or anywhere in between. Sacred space is also a place in our soul. My certain place uh, used to be a literal, literal rock on the Moss Rock Trail down here. Sometimes when I was driving home from the office, I would just pull off and I'd go sit on that rock and pray. Maybe your certain place is just turning your office chair away from your computer for a minute or two. Maybe it's a a quiet spot in the neighborhood. Maybe your sacred place is in the bathroom until the kids' arms come under the door and are trying to figure out why you're not coming out. Maybe you you try to set aside a place and time this week and think, you know what, I, I didn't get anything out of it or God didn't speak to me or I'm awful at this sort of thing. But remember, the purpose of solitude and silence is just to be with God, to commune with him on that beyond words level. So let me encourage you today to keep practicing, to not give up hope, but to keep showing up. Our 21 days of prayer has been very helpful for me. I, I love getting the emails each day. Uh, we got one this morning uh, in our email inbox. If you're not on that email list, uh, please contact the office. We'd love to, to get those to you. But it's just a way to, to hear the hearts of our brothers and sisters in this faith family and, and allow uh, their prayers to help uh, shape uh, our days as well. Sacred space is not a license to passivity, but rather it's the very activity that compels our next steps. Uh, You'll notice in the pew racks in front of you today that there should be an an index card. Uh, There's a blank index card. There also should be a a pin right there. Uh, and here's what I want to invite you to do. This, this is completely anonymous. You don't have to write your name on it. But I want you to just finish this prayer. I just want you to finish this sentence. You'll, you'll see it on the, the screen. Lord, please. And what, what is it that, that's stirring in your heart this morning as we've gone through the day of worship, maybe as you've reflected on this past week or so? Please, Lord. Lord, please show me my next step. Lord, please heal my marriage. Lord, please give me strength. Lord, please help us to point others toward Jesus in the midst of an election year. Lord, please forgive me for. Lord, please heal me from my addiction. Lord, please release me from financial bondage. Lord, please be with my friend at school. Lord, please give me the courage to speak to my neighbor and share the love of Christ. Again, this card can be completely anonymous. You don't have to show it to me or anybody else. But here's my commitment. I'll pray over every single one of these cards this week. Uh, in a few moments, I'll, we'll have baskets down at the stage if you'd like to bring it and place it in the basket. I'm going to ask our shepherds and our staff and our prayer team to pray over those as well. The Word says, 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety. Cast all of your burdens on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And the third and final takeaway is that following Jesus is moving away from fear and toward love. I love the words of Jesus. Can you imagine that glance? I I don't think the, the video earlier did it justice. When Jesus looks into the eyes of Simon Peter, and he declares to Simon, Simon, do not be afraid. The invitation for you is to follow me. The invitation for Peter is the invitation for us. Follow me. Church, always stay close to the invitation, come and see. Because if you really see, if you really look around, and you really become familiar with the beauty of Jesus, you will see that the beauty of our Lord and Savior is his invitation to love. So each week we invite you to follow Jesus or to renew your commitment to following him again. And in a moment, we're going to sing a song, and you can can bring those prayer cards down to the baskets, as I mentioned. Or today's the day that you want to name Jesus as Lord, to be buried in the waters of baptism with him. We we would love to, to celebrate that with you as well. Let's go to God in prayer. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in your grace you reveal to us and convict us each and every day to follow you more closely. And father your your word says Jesus says that my my burden is light. Come, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest for your souls. Uh, father help us to find that soul rest that only exists in communion with you and in a relationship with Jesus through the promised Holy Spirit. And so we pray as your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, Amen.